Hello and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.iamwomanproject.com.au. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at I Am Woman Project and Facebook. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today we have Kirsten Ross, a crowdfunding product launch specialist that's helped creators and entrepreneurs raise multi-seven figures through Indiegogo and Kickstarter. She's also the host and founder of the Crowdfunding Uncut podcast, where she deconstructs what it takes to successfully launch a product online. Welcome on the show, Kirsten. Hey, thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. And have I left anything else? Would you like to add anything to that? Um, I think let's save the goods for the show. But if people want um, a guide on how to launch a crowdfunding campaign, I do have a freebie available at my website, crowdfundinguncut.com. Oh, excellent. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you. So well, I guess we'll give everybody the details at the end of the show. So tell us your story. What inspired you to do what you're doing? Man, how far back do you want me to go? Oh, as far back as you like. <laughs> back in 1986 when I was born. Um, no, bad joke. But uh, I think, okay, I'm going to fast track um, through 10 years, but I, in university, biochemistry major, I got recruited by a franchise to run a student house painting business. It's a like a business in a box format where they they work with you and a mentor to uh, teach you how to launch a brand and a business when you're in university. And I did that successfully for three years. And when I graduated, um, they were like, hey, um, I know you don't want to go into science anymore because we kind of ruined that for you and you want to be an entrepreneur. So do you want to help us onboard new franchises? Basically, uh, they had recruited me to be a startup consultant across Canada where I worked onboarding new brands. And uh, I did that for four years before I decided that I wanted to travel the world and kind of figure out what my next venture would be. Because at this point, I've been with that company for seven years. And I was 24. I'd been really successful um, with that one part of my life. And I just didn't know what else was out there for me. So I, I left the company. I went traveling. I actually live in Melbourne for five months as well, which was awesome. Um, but finally discovering where I could start to make money, I fell into consulting uh, for various startups when I was living in the UK. And um, I was trying to figure out how to get paid to consult, but also scale my consulting and go online and just figure out how I could create a business that would allow me to work and travel anywhere in the world and having an online presence. So I took like two or three years to figure out 
that part. And um, when I was consulting over that period, I was like, literally, I would help you with anything that would help you with sales generation. Um, So I wasn't very focused on the skill set that I would be working with people because I I just thought if if I focus and if I niche down, I'm going to be saying no to a lot of clients. So I just wanted to keep myself open to like if you needed help building a, an online sales team, I'd work with you for that. Or if you need help with Facebook ads, I would also help you with that. <laughs> so um, I didn't really find crowdfunding until I moved back to Toronto in 2015. And about a week back, I had uh, <coughs> met a founder locally that was launching a uh, wearable tech brand that helps you lose weight through cold temperatures. And he's like, look, I've heard of this Kickstarter thing and I've heard it's a really great place to um, fund the manufacturing of my product. And I understand you have some digital marketing experience. Do you want to partner up and launch this thing? And at the time I was like, sure, I don't really know what Kickstarter is, but how hard can it be? Famous last words. Um, And at one campaign, we end up launching it with like, we prepared, did one or two months of preparation for it. We launched and we failed. Uh, we had a goal to raise $50,000 and we only raised 17000 which meant that, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this and you're in the physical product space, you know that you can't do anything with seventeen grand. So we had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make up the rest of the money so that we can actually manufacture the product, which led us to relaunching that campaign Uh, about three months later. And we knew that if we were relaunching, we had an opportunity to do things right and fix our mistakes. And so we end up launching Thin Ice again three months later. And uh, after changing our strategy and our positioning, we ended up raising $600,000 on Indiegogo. Wow, that's amazing. It's like big difference. And it's funny because that's when people usually ask, uh, so is that when you knew that it was... It was like meant to be for you to be a crowdfunding consultant, not so much. Um, I was really resistant to the crowdfunding community until I had another couple of really big wins under my belt. And then I realized how crowdfunding was an amazing way to create a business if you look at it from a long-term perspective. And that's when I realized like my big passion from my student works days when I was like doing the painting thing was I really, really love people. I loved helping people launch a business because the whole learning curve and there's like a lot of um, it's like very do or die around a launch like that. And I realized that crowdfunding took on the exact same uh, like aspects of what I really, really loved about Uh, what I was doing before. And that's when I realized like, oh no, I really want to work with people helping them launch brands. And so that's kind of how I stumbled into crowdfunding and doing what I do today. And you do it well. So Kirsten, what was that when you went, um, when you said you actually uh, failed and you went back the second time and you were very successful at, at it, what was some of those things that you changed or tweak to make it successful? Yeah. Uh, Honestly, there were a thousand different things like the first and second campaign were night and day difference. But the two biggest things um, I'll talk about the first is that when you're browsing a website like Kickstarter, all you see from a perspective uh, is brands raising thousands of dollars and it looks really easy. And so that may lead the entrepreneur to assume that, 
okay, well, Kickstarter has a really big audience. So this is great. All I have to do is set up a marketing page and press launch and I'll raise a million dollars. And that was sort of the assumption we made because why do you have to build your own audience when Kickstarter has one? It just seems like a waste of time, right? Not so much. Um, so we didn't understand how the platform worked and we we then discovered how it worked after the fact, which there's actually, um, you need to game the system a little bit where Kickstarter and Indiegogo are marketplaces. So they're a business that will match your product to con- customers. And for the service, they take 5% commission for every dollar that you raise on their site. So because they're a business, they need to promote the the uh, products that are doing really well. So the products that you see um, on their site that are really easy to find, they're in like the hot um, new and noteworthy section or the trending section. These are campaigns that are already doing well. But how you get to those sections is by showing Kickstarter that you're a popular campaign. And how you do that is actually everything before you launch. So what you want to do is you want to launch, have an influx of sales, and that's going to notify Kickstarter Indiegogo that you're a hot product, and then their algorithm is going to boost you on the site to be easier to find. And that's when the crowdfunding community takes over and creates a snowball effect for your campaign. So what you actually need to do is you need to build an audience and an email list ahead of time in preparation for your launch so that when you launch, you have a chunk of your funding goal already hit, and then that's how you become successful. So when you're saying building a list ahead of time, so this, obviously you'd be doing that, and I'm sure our listeners uh, are probably thinking the same thing. This is, when you're saying building a list ahead of time, this is a list of your own brand before you get involved in a platform like Kickstarter? Exactly. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that people understand the conversation is around your product launch. So you want to put up a website or a landing page with a bit of information about what you are going to be launching and driving traffic to that. If you have a bit of an ad budget, you're you're doing direct marketing Facebook ads to that website where people can then join your email list because they anticipate your product launch. Right. So it's like, uh, yeah, a list of qualified leads is, is what you're building through your email list so that they're ready and they're super stoked to actually support you when you go live. Oh, that's I get you. Yeah, that's amazing. Because I know, I know, it's it's the as we were saying earlier on, it's a hot topic, and I know that there's uh, lots of uh, entrepreneurs and businesses out there that have actually, uh, uh, I think, given Kickstarter a go, or and or any of these um, crowdfunding platforms, and have failed miserably. But I think it's yeah, all the planning, uh, really, at the start, isn't it? It is. It's not. It's actually like the more I get into the space, the more I realize it's not just about a good marketing campaign too. It's also about having a product that people love. So part of being able to build that list of qualified leads is part validating the process. Like a lot of people think, oh, well, I can I can put up my Kickstarter campaign and if somebody buys it, it means my product's validated. But I, I believe that because of some how much competition is in the space that you really need to validate your idea ahead of time. And that's where the list of qualified leads is so important or else your campaign can fail like because of multiple reasons. But. And and you were saying there's some hot products. What would be some of those hot products um, that are doing really well? 
Uh, doing really well on crowdfunding right yeah. now, or yeah, like on crowdfunding. Uh, ooh, right now that's a good question. Um, ones that have done really well in the past, we have like Purple Pillow that raised two point six million. We have MyFold that raised two point two million. Um, we have the Flow Beehive on Indiegogo that raised twelve million. We have Pebble Watches, which raised collectively close to forty million dollars between their two campaigns. Um, like there are hundreds. Wow, okay. hundreds of. It's even just like, yeah, I can do a quick um, Kickstarter search right now to see what's on there, but there's yeah. a lot of great ones right now. Yeah, so obviously they have to be in unique, authentic, and a bit quirky, the products. Yeah, I think um, there's one misconception too where you might think that I need to have something truly innovative and never been done before to have a successful Kickstarter. Um, I actually think that that's going to make your life a bit more difficult. And ideally, if you have a product that has a great brand story behind it and a good uh, founder story, so I always love to put the the founder behind it and the reason why that they're so passionate about this product because it humanizes the brand. Um, but to be honest, if you can just take a current solution and do it better, you are going to be successful on Kickstarter because you're solving a, a need in a current market that's already there. Mm. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Very good. Um, so I have to ask you, what makes you leap out of bed in the morning? What drives you? The sales numbers. Oh, Okay. Yeah. yeah, I like being able to see the direct ROI for my time, and there's no better place to do that than see your Kickstarter campaign raising money. Yeah, of course. So I guess with the benefits in hindsight, would you have done anything differently in your career? Um, yeah, I think that part of like – me growing a consulting agency, I would have uh, created launch timelines in advance to help me uh, ease the pains of scaling because I feel that some of our launches have been delayed a bit due to lack of processes on my part, um, which we're now dealing with now. But I feel that, um, and hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But I, I feel that I wish I had projected what sort of problems or things that could have happened as a result of me not systemizing things sooner. Mm, yeah. And I think I, I can, yeah, absolutely. I can relate to that myself. I think that sometimes it's not until you're in it that you actually realize that um, there needs to be more of a process to it. And it's not till you're actually, um, you know, stumbling over or tripping over or actually having a look at the outcome. It's not quite what you you anticipated. Uh, then you go back and actually put something in place. And I think that's, you know, we all learn lessons, isn't it? It's through falling over that I think we actually, uh, you know, constantly become, I think you've got to be really flexible too in business. I think it's like, you know, um, have a, a backup plan when things don't work out. Yeah, I mean, there's when you're in the thick of things, it's hard to see what you need moving forward. But it, ultimately, what I can do is I realize that I, we need systems so I can leverage myself. So I just I went to my clients and said, what can we do better to help? Like, what are some problems you have with our service right now? And some of them might say, we wish we saw the timelines a little bit better. So they just want more transparency into what a the scope of the project looks like, for example. So what I would do is take that information and add them to our our project management software tool so they can see timelines. Mm. Um, just little things like that that can really make a big difference. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's good. So. I mean, and it's, I think too, every business has a pain point, and I think that like honing into those pain points, it's the only way you're going to find a solution um, so that it's smooth, smooth sailing next time. And I mean, and, and going on that with a pain point, what are some of your biggest pain points in in doing business? Um, biggest one right now is uh, validating products. So before I would be able to know, like I'd have a product come to me and I'd either be able to say, yes, I see um, market for this or no, I don't. But the more projects that get put in front of me, um, the more due diligence I want to do because we're starting to charge a lot of money for these launches and advising clients to spend thousands of dollars on Facebook advertising. So I want to make sure we're doing a data-driven campaign. So I feel like just um, some of the pain points would be uh, just making sure we have a good due diligence system so that the clients ultimately have faith in the numbers and that they know confidently that they can spend $20,000 on a launch because they see the direct ROI from like a good Facebook advertising campaign or whatever. Mm. So that's one. And the second one is definitely scaling my time um, because I've uh, – like I've been through this journey of figuring out the passive income side and, you know, every consultant deals with the not diluting their service uh, when you start working with people in a group capacity. So that's been fun to figure out how I can better serve more people while not being uh, restricted to the one-on-one access. Mm, yep. So, and I guess this is why you've moved online to help, um, I guess, reach out to sort of a broader audience. Yeah, I just I love online. Like ninety five percent of my customers are in America, and I'm in Toronto, Canada, so it's pretty cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and you'll have lots of customers in um, from Australia too after after this talk, I'm sure, because um, I myself, you've got me thinking about it. Because when you're looking at the pain point, is that the so validation is probably the biggest pain point, uh, whether a product is the right product to go on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Um, and how often of them do you come across? Where, sorry, you mean where we have to validate? Or? Yeah, well, I guess that it's not the right product, for example, you know, because I think that from what I heard, the pain point is about validating the product, whether it's the right product, whether the, this product will work on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Um, how many of those do you go, well, no, this is not the right product? And what, do you just say no or do you work through it? Um, for example, if there was, um, uh, you know, somebody listening and they say, look, you know, I've got a book launch or I've got a product, but I don't know if it's the right product. Uh, do you work with the individual to make sure that the product is validated and right to go on Kickstarter or do you just go, this is never going to work? It really depends on the thing that comes to me. I feel like 70%, maybe six, uh, 65, 70% of the things that come to me are just not, they're not good for crowdfunding because people, yeah, they're just not, it's not the right fit for crowdfunding. It uh, doesn't mean their product won't sell. It just means it's not the right uh, avenue to, to launch a business, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you might get a app whose customer is a B2B setting. Um, like a sales app or something, but the reality is that it's a consumer that's like people like you and I that are shopping on Kickstarter. So they're not going to support a B2B app. Um, you might have a like digital product that if you don't show the, if you don't present your rewards and what the tangible value people get out of it from your reward packages, it's not going to sell. 
Um, so I would say, yeah, 70% of, of things that come to me, I just, I won't take on because they either don't have the budget, um, they are too early in the development stage, or it's just not an idea that I think is good enough. Um, if it's something I think has legs, I will work with the client to, um, figure out the right way. Like you might get I don't know. I deal a lot with Amazon sellers and the Amazon sellers sometimes deal with um, a product that has a retail value of $10. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, considering you're going to put $10,000 into this campaign, think of how many units of this $10 product you're going to have to sell to get funded. I think a better route for you might just be to go straight to Amazon. Um, So it's, oh, there are just so many different like avenues to consider mm, yeah. with it but yeah and if I don't know that's where validation comes in we're like if I'm like I don't feel right taking your money until we've done a test but I feel confident enough to do the test and here are the risks are you willing to do it and then they do it so for our listeners that are interested in crowdfunding to come and see you so pretty much what they'd have to do is build a list first so they um, have a landing page um, and be very clear about um, what they're going to be launching. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously by doing that, validating their product. So they will validate their product by, um, I guess, asking the market um, what are their thoughts or uh, what, I guess, um, brought them to this landing page or how do you validate a product whether you know this is going to be the right product? Is there enough people going, yes, I want it um, through the landing page or how does it work? Like how does somebody know that their product is validated enough prior to launch? Um, There are two ways to do it. You can do it uh, based on data. So if you are Facebook ad savvy, this is what you would do. You would put up a landing page and you would have a Facebook ad campaign and you would drive some traffic to the page. Um, Your idea is probably going to work if your cost per email address is between $2 and $3. Um, If it's any higher than that, probably not because there's not enough interest for the amount of um, traffic you're sending um, to do it. So the numbers you want to look for and I'm going to simplify this in a second, but if you have between two and three dollars per email address through a Facebook campaign, it's probably safe. But this assumes that your um, conversion numbers on your landing page is that you get roughly seven to ten percent of people that come to your page or subscribing to your email list. Right. Right. So that's you could do it uh, data driven, or you could do it based on just speaking to people one on one, which is the old school way. Which I recommend if you are not savvy online just yet, and you do that by figuring out who you think your um, would buy your product, identifying those people in your network, and doing customer interviews with them, and just see if this pain point is big enough for them to um, buy it, and. What if, like, just say you're you're writing a book. There's that's not like a prod a pain based solution, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of harder to validate that. But uh, you can validate that based on you building an audience around what you're currently doing, and you can just email people and be like, "Hey guys, I'm thinking of creating a book for this. Um, would that interest you?" Or if you're starting from zero, just do a landing page and do it that way. Okay, and obviously for for those that aren't savvy like myself, I'm going to put my hand up here uh, with yeah. Facebook ad campaigns. You do that for your clients, correct? Yeah, we do. Okay, oh good, 
good. Okay. Well, that's it, it's, I, there's lots of information. I'm just sitting here myself going, wow, this is really interesting. So um, so now so we, now we know the number one reason uh, organizations fail is because they don't validate their product. Um, yep. Yeah. So what would be some specific roadblocks to watch out for? For our listeners, I'm sure they're thinking about mm, what would be like, what would be some of those roadblocks and how do I get over them? Uh, when it comes to launching a campaign yeah, or considering? Launching, mm. launching a campaign, yeah. A roadblock, make sure you ha- are building an audience. Um, but secondly, when you just say you even have an audience right now, you want to make your campaign an event. So don't just email your list one, uh, the day you go live and say, hey, we're live. You want to have a bit of a buildup. So the whole point of building an audience ahead of time is so that you can get people really excited with like a sneak peek. Consider it like a movie trailer where you're going to see like advertisements for Beauty and the Beast randomly. And it's going to show you more and more until you're really excited and can't wait to see it. So that's kind of the like the approach you take with a pre-launch. So don't think that just because you have an email list, don't lose the um, opportunity to really engage people and build that relationship and keep them excited until you launch. Mm. Um, yeah, that'd be definitely the biggest thing I, I see is undervalued right now. Yeah. So sneak preview would be for our listeners to create little videos or maybe even a webinar to talk about their product with, um, with a little bit more detail, that kind of thing to sort of like giving them a bit of an appetizer to get them a little bit excited. Yeah. Um, do you know founder magazine? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. So I worked with them on their Kickstarter and what they did to keep people or to start people getting excited is they had a landing page for their launch and got people to subscribe. But what they did in exchange for an email address is they offered two free chapters of like in digital form of their coffee table book. Oh, right. Yep. So I definitely recommend doing something like that, like sneak peek. Yep. I'm writing this down as you're saying it. That's good. Thank you. So, um, Kirsten, what advice would you give your younger self? Just don't wait until you have like confidence or validation, like personally to start doing it. What I mean by validation in this sense is like, don't wait until someone says you're doing a great job to push forward a hundred percent. Cause I think that's like definitely slowed me down. Cause I, I don't put, I haven't put 150% into something until I see that I get a little bit of like external validation from people. Mm. That's what I would have done. I'd just be like, fuck it. Just go forward. And yeah. or, oh, I should, probably shouldn't swear. Sorry. No, no, it's um, okay. But it's just fine. like, Absolutely just, fine. you know, move forward. Don't wait for external validation. Just put it out there. And like, you know, the whole motto of fail fast is uh, is definitely something that people should be striving to do versus trying to slow down that process because like you you learn from your failures so absolutely I always look at you know failure as as uh, feedback so, you know to me there's there's no such thing as failure it's only feedback so the quicker I do it the better I learn and I think that that's a really good point that you bring up just go for it because I think a lot of the times um, with you know people you know I know our listeners are entrepreneurs and and in business quite often they wait for that that perfect moment or the perfect day or the product's got to come across perfect. And there is no, there is no such thing as it being perfect. I think that even with my own experience, you just got to just go for it, launch it. And that's when you learn what's not working, what's not working. Then you got to retweak it. Then you bring it back and, you know, you just got to, that's how you 
uh, get it to the point where you want it to, you know, where it starts humming. Exactly. Like I think uh, most recently for me, um, in an attempt to scale my services, I, uh, I didn't take my own advice. I didn't validate what people wanted because I do believe now that you should create a product based on feedback around your, like from your audience for what they want and just give that to them. Um, but I made the assumption that, oh, I know what they want. So I'm going to launch a course. And so a month ago, I, I quickly did a, put a webinar together and I tried to sell a six week crowdfunding course and nobody bought it, um, despite like how much I've done in the space. And after going back to them and asking them, why didn't you buy the product? Is it price? Is it this or that? And they're like, no, price was right. I just want you. <laughs> I want to work with you. I don't want to watch a video series. So then I thought, okay, taking this information, what can I create that like better serves them and gives me what I want? So I came up with an idea to do like a inner circle crowdfunding accelerator where I work with a small group of people one-on-one, not one-on-one, but like in a group setting with the course. And I then like fronted that offer to my group. And I was like, hey guys, I'm thinking of doing this thing. What do you think? And then it got a lot more traction because I took my failure. I got feedback. And then I recreated something else based on that, that I thought they would want. Mm, And that's actually worked. Yeah. Do you know, it's funny. I was having this conversation the other day that, you know, even with us and without some of our uh, products we've got online and it's some people actually don't like just online. They do want to have that interaction, that face-to-face, someone they could actually collaborate with or have a conversation with. Um, and so I think that having the combination of the two, if you if you do, for anyone out there that has an online product, I think it's really important to have those times where you have a webinar or people can, you know, be part of a, a group where they can connect with you and, you know, go through the journey together. I think that's really important. Yeah, because that was something like, it's funny because if you asked me a week ago how I um, screened my clients, I would be impossible to get on the phone. And then I did like a 180 where I just did an open call. Like I, I sent my calendar link to everyone on my list. I'm like, if you want to talk to me, please like, you know, do that. And it's amazing the feedback I got where they some people like, they're like, I really appreciate your one-on-one time. And that got me thinking like, maybe I shouldn't be so difficult to get on the phone because they really, really love that FaceTime. Yeah. So it, you know, it goes a long way. Yeah. So, so what I hear is obviously with your online program for our listeners. So your online program also offers, uh, you working with a small group. So do you have a limit of how many people come on your online program? Yeah. So this is, it's just a a beta. I'm starting April 11th. I don't know when this is airing, but, um, it's a beta accelerator. I'm only working with a group of 10 people because I'm, I'm providing a framework in a system and modules and coaching, but ultimately I'm creating this course with live feedback from people based on where they're at. Mm. Yeah. I like that. That's good. So, and then if, if people were okay to just do it online, obviously, then it's obviously different, a, a price bracket for those that um, aren't too, you know, fussed about the small group, but they're happy to do the online. They've also got that option? Uh, by online, what do you mean? Oh, so the online, you, so you have an online program? Um, yeah, I've, right now, the only thing I have, well, okay, no, 
I have an like a digital product, but I don't have a course because pe- my list proved that they didn't want that course. So I've created this accelerator right now. So right. currently that's what I'm focused on. And then I'm going to be opening up like a membership community in a couple months. Yeah. So. Love it. That's awesome. I might yeah. look into that myself, I think. And I'm sure our yeah. listeners will too if there's, uh, if there's going to be room for us. Yeah, well, there's going to be information on the website. And if not, you can always email me because um, I, yeah, I, things are happening faster than I seem to be able to put things on my website. So, <laughs> Oh, good, good. Well, um, yeah. I definitely am interested. I'm sure some of our listeners will be too. So I've got to ask you, who's been your greatest influence amongst all of this stuff, this wonderful stuff that you're doing? Oh, God, I would have to say, like, can I? Okay, well, Tim Ferriss is the main reason I'm doing everything I'm doing. Um, I, I have a couple, but Tim is, uh, between Tim and Andrew Warner, I think those are the two guys that inspired what I'm doing. Mm. So have you read all of his, the four-hour work week, and I think, what was the the, the Tools of the Titans? Tools of Titans. Yes. Is, yeah, I haven't read that yet, but I hear it's fantastic. On, yeah, me too. I haven't read it yet. It's on my coffee table. Yeah. Need to get around to that. But I pre-ordered it and then I sent him a video saying, hey, Tim, I just want to say thanks. And I pre-ordered your book. But, of course, he didn't get back to me because he doesn't reply to anybody, it no. seems. but <laughs> He's ultra busy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So if we always ask our woman of inspiration, if you had to pick one word that best describes your personal brand, what would be that one word? <laughs> uh, either... I don't like just the one thing. I um, I'll pick a few, maybe two or three if you'd like. Like uh, unapologetic or unrefined? Mm. One of those two? like it. Can I ask you why? Because uh, I'm not cookie cutter and I'm a little bit of a rebel when it comes to doing things a little bit differently than other people online. That's what I think. And I just, like, as you see, I swore on the show. So I'm speaking to you as if we're having a face-to-face conversation. I just like being bra and personable. Yeah, but that's so. who you are, sweetheart. You don't even have to yeah. apologize. I think, you know, it's it's really important to stand in your truth and, and be raw. You are who you are. No one's going to judge you. Exactly. It's funny because I, I feel like I just apologized for me saying I'm a, a unapologetic yeah no <laughs> oh, well. no but no no Locking it's fine no i know yeah. and I, th- I think I, I get it it's like your um real uh, raw raw edgy that kind of yes. character love it and you know what that's what makes you so successful because you are authentic you are unique that's true yeah yeah I mean, um, I have to, i have to say i haven't come across many people that do what you do you're awesome and what you offer is awesome Oh, thank you. Um, there are not many people. Well, okay, no, there are a lot of people in the space. Like once you really start digging, there are a lot of people that do what I do. But unfortunately, um, there are very few I would trust with your campaign because there are a lot of the Internet gives you a place to say um, to take your really small win and make it seem like you're a huge deal mm. Um or even oversell yourself. Like I've I've seen people online that may interview a couple of crowdfunding campaigns and then all of a sudden they're a guru yeah. and they haven't actually done it themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you see this all the time with like Facebook ad strategists or various experts online. 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, you, you know, it's even for, for us. We have we've had so many different social media experts have come in to uh, our company and done some work with us, and it's really interesting. I mean, everyone does it so differently. There is no right and wrong way, and you know, sometimes they don't always work. So it, it's one of it's a hit and miss, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Like it's, you know, I'll get I'll get people come to me asking me all the time, like, "Hey, I'm considering hiring X Y Z company. Can you tell me who is good?" Um, and because I don't consider my like, I don't know, some people from the outside may consider, say, funded today my biggest competitor, but we're actually not competition. We have very complimentary service because they are more like they're a full crowdfunding agency, whereas I'm more of a consulting practice for consulting. Mm. So it's cool. People will come to me and say, is this a scam or is this good or, or not? So, Which is um, what you, you want. You want somebody consulting you through it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's – I'm like – I'm the marketer behind a Kickstarter launch, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm great with brand positioning. I'm great with seeing the story and the vision and, like, how to carry that through. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So, Kirsten, what we do at the end of our show, we always ask our woman of inspiration to leave us or leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets. So what would be your three shiny golden nuggets? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Okay, this is end of a Friday. Let me think. Um, don't be afraid to price yourself higher than anyone else, for one, mm. or ask for what you're worth. Um, as long as you can confidently sell that, how I sell it is just by saying, here are my results and here's what you get. Like, so if I'm branding myself as a premium service, um, certain things have to fall into alignment to back that up. And then I charge for that. So don't be afraid to charge what you're worth. Um, secondly, don't be scared to say no to every opportunity that comes your way. If it's not in alignment with where you want to go. Mm, that's a big one. Yeah. And the third thing is don't be afraid to pick your niche ahead of time. And I know that just goes for service providers, but um, my business didn't do anything until I niched into crowdfunding. And once you become really good at something, you become known for that thing, which is then going to help your bank account. <laughs> mm, absolutely. I love them all. And I think that's really important to, um, I, you know, we always talk about, well, what do you uh, – how do you put a price on uh, your products or your services? And I think, I think sometimes it's all that self-worth that comes and plays a part as well. Like, really, am I worth this much, do you think? Or is my service worth this much? But, you know, I, I've even um, dabbled with that. And I, I, I tell you what, the when you actually uh, put your price up um, in regards to what you think you're worth because you know your stuff, people will come to you. People will pay whatever it takes to get your service. I agree. And if like, uh, if there's no right or wrong number to price yourself, but like, I just will say, okay, well, here are my costs. Here's how much I want to get paid. So I'm just going to do this. And some people, I validate that price just by pitching it. And if someone buys it, then I know it's validated. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I get the odd person who is like, you're the most expensive in the industry, for example, um, can you justify your pricing and break down your costs? And like they, you know, it, and that to me shows a lack of trust. So just be careful if anyone is questioning your prices because they, they don't trust you. Mm. Um, so. Yeah. And these for me, I, I always, I guarantee my work. So I always say if it doesn't work, I never touch wood have I ever had to oh. return, but I guarantee my work that it will work. 
You know, I believe in guarantees so much. Like, I will guarantee my product. So if you buy it, you don't like it, return, obviously. But I can't guarantee a Kickstarter campaign because Mm. there are just too many variables with it. And if it fails, it's not just my fault. It's Mm. the team's fault because we work with, like, copywriters and Facebook ads and positioning. And it could be timing. It could be so many factors that I don't have control over. So, unfortunately, I can't guarantee a campaign. Mm. Yeah, (laughs) of course. So, Kirsten, tell me, um, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, I mean, if you're uh, in the middle of planning your own campaign, there is the podcast and a free checklist at crowdfundinguncut.com. And if you have questions about your own crowdfunding campaign, you just would rather speak to me, you can email me. Uh, It's K, so the letter K at crowdfundinguncut.com. And that'd be the best place to find me. Cool. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Look, I've I've got a, like pages full of notes myself, so I'm sure <laughs> our listeners will too. Thank you so much for your time and energy, and um, I can't wait to do some or start working with you. Actually, I'm really excited. Yeah, same here. This has been awesome. So Thank great you. way to cap a Friday. Thank you. That brings us to the end of the show. If you have any questions, please send us an email to jennifer at iamwomanproject.com.au or Twitter at iamwomanproject and we will get right back to you. If you were listening to this podcast on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review or rating about the show. We would love to hear your thoughts. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next time, please take care.